This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of All Possibilities is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. If you listened to our previous episode, you heard the first part of my interview with licensed psychologists and wives, Dr. Anna Huff and Dr. Teresa Reyes-Castillo, and third-generation clairvoyant, medium, and healer, Terry Galuska. They demonstrated their amazing combined skills as a team of coaches on me. There were tears and revelations. And you heard their stories and why this combination isn't as simple as it seems. If you haven't listened to part one yet, I encourage you to catch up first before you listen to this episode. If you already have listened, then get ready for part two of this amazing interview, which includes how you can advance your awakening process, visions of what the future may hold, and a rapid fire series of questions that brings me back to one of the most important visions I ever had. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Last we left off in our conversation, we talked about psychology, the evolution of the field as people evolve. I'd love to hear from each of you what your top recommendations are for people who are either looking to awaken or already are on the awakening process. And this is maybe from the standpoint of you as individuals or whatever hat you want to wear. What would be your recommendation for people? Question everything. So uh, I think part of what we all went through or what I went through was questioning what I wanted and what I didn't want anymore. So um, who am I and who do I want to be? And kind of shedding all the layers of expectations and um, things that people placed on me. So um, family values, um, societal values, structures that were placed around me for living in the society. And I think coming into what we came into, uh, I had to kind of shed all that to see what was left and what was genuinely me and what was not. And so part of it is just questioning everything. That was awesome to hear. I have thoroughly enjoyed watching you do that, like on a daily basis. <laughs> um, so I think for, I suppose same as you. So for me, but I would assume for all of us to a certain degree, we as people often look outside of us to find answers. We read books or we talk to our friends or family or to um someone in a professional field or, right, we look outside of us to find answers. Everyone who is here was already built in with their answers that they need. So while things outside of you can help provide guidance, they don't give you your answers. 
So one of the things that was the most helpful to me was learning to literally sit in silence. And often it helped me to be in the dark, um, but with nothing, no time, no technology, no people, no, no nothing for for me, I like to do it for days. I've actually become rather addicted to that process. <laughs> I love it because you can like access so much information and, and then allow whatever comes out to come out, whether it makes sense or doesn't make sense or um, whether you know what you're doing or don't know what you're doing. I, for me in the process, I'm not an artist at all, but I drew so many things that were so helpful that I would never sell to anybody because they're not pretty (laughs) but they helped me figure things out sometimes our internal landscapes um, don't make sense through words but images were helpful for me so I think that that would be my most prominent looking inside versus outside I think for me going through the value that we shift continuously we go through the age of enlightenment. We have gone through the Renaissance. We have gone through periods historically where new thought, theory, philosophy, spirituality has prodded us, poked us, restricted us, expanded us. And we're in another one of those places. Um, I've seen the in total, you know, absolutely blown away by how many awakenings I've seen in my lifetime so far. And this one seems to be the one that's going to really stick for a long time. So anyone who's questioning, why are they feeling different? What is different about them? You know, to to go and seek a community or some sort of frame of reference that's going to bring them into a dynamic of inner dialogue and inner strength along with a community that they're going to be able to reach out to that can help each other because we're all one. We're trying to just walk each other home. We're all just going through this big world together. And we do have pieces for each other's puzzles. We really do. But knowing that we are of the same makeup spiritually, we have suffering, we have loss, we have places where we want to grow and expand. We want to know what love is. We want to experience love to its fullest capacity, not the limitations of what maybe the structures that were put on or the limitations or the fear, but to understand what it means to have that individual love, that self-love, along with a unified love. So um, for me, you know, it's just about reaching in and then extending out, being able to come into your wholeness. And it's about remembering who you are. We were born absolutely beautifully innocent, absolutely beautifully loving and complete. No matter what you look like on the outside, we have souls. We all have these beautiful souls. So going back to the innocence, going back to the the love of being a child and expanding from that where everything is in awe and it's also a great expansion state. I guess I'm showing up right now that I was a kid in the 60s. So um, I was raised in an area where it was, I was really a flower child. I really knew I was a flower child. I had an amazing experience where my brother and sister had passed away. Um, But the amazing experience wasn't that they passed away, but I would go to the cemetery in East Hanover, New Jersey, at Gate of Heaven Cemetery. And I really thought that was the gates of heaven as a kid. And I would run through, you know, the cemetery after my mother told me that we're just spirits in a body. 
And I said, think, wow, this is so cool. We're just trapped in a body. And this was the 60s. So I was like the perpetual hippie child, mm-hmm. you know, flower child, and just would run around saying, I really am, I have a spirit. I really knew that that was what was inside of me. Also with the experiences of going on a vacation or having a holiday with family, there's other things besides the hallmark code of events that take place. Sometimes we get hooked into it. We're, everything has got a calendar, and we live by that one year going into another year. But I, I really believe firmly we're at a place with another enlightenment that is just absolutely huge right now on this planet. And we need each other. And we need to know what love is. And I one time took apart the word love and learning oneness, victoriously evolving. If there's a planet that we're learning love, this is it. There's planets out there. They could be, we could be learning something different. And I tell people this all the time, the color purple, what it means to have the color purple. And you're like, but this is the planet of love. And if we can come into deeper um, understanding and go into the silence of it, go into the um, shared experience of it, then we're going to put this planet on such a beautiful tipping point of humanity that we need at this particular point in time. Mm. I really like that. It was learning one learning oneness victoriously, victoriously evolving. evolving. Mm. That's going to be my new mantra. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Do you think that there can be a wrong or superficial way of approaching awakening. I'm just thinking of like how commoditized it can be or, or, you know, everyone, I have this, this picture of everyone doing yoga and everyone seems really happy, but what's your, what's your take on where people can be aware of if they are approaching it in that way, if if you even think that exists. You know, you see the um, amazing effects of how we get coded into a train of thought. Um, I remember right before the Iraq war, I looked out and I saw the amazing things that were done in jungle greens. All of a sudden, ju- we, they were preparing us for this train of thought. Um, that we would go into a war. So these things are thought about way ahead of even coming into our society, how they're going to market it and strategize in these great big think tanks of how they're going to, you know, come into our consciousness from maybe the dynamics of the industry of, you know, the material world. So, you know, if people really would look at it and say, you know, where do I need to be on a very deep emotional level? understand that that bridge into the spiritual is a responsibility and they really need to be and I've seen a lot of people that say okay why isn't this working I thought this was supposed to work it 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 does but you have to work it as much as you can you really need to go back into the spiritual you have to go back into the I'm sorry the emotional component of why things are and then cross the bridge into the spiritual you know it takes a good base camp, a good boot camp to climb those mountains. You're only as good as the gear that you're carrying with you. Um, And that's where all those boot camp experience of where was I stuck? What happened to me at certain ages? What is less ego? You know, what does it mean to be a healer? 
um, doesn't mean that I just go around with a fairy wand healing people. It's absolutely not like that. It means leading people into their own own you know inner dynamics, their own inner strengths, and also getting down and getting dirty with them and saying, yes, that hurt. That was hard. But let's look where we can go with love. Let me put my arms around you. So for me, it's putting your arms around people more and understanding that we are compassionate, empathetic human beings, and we're coming back to that. What's interesting, so to add to what Terry just said, what's interesting is that it's trendy now to do something like yoga <laughs> or meditate or mm-hmm. do be something spiritual. like that. Right. Be spiritual or be woke or I don't know what the terms are now. <laughs> Hashtag now. something. Yeah. Uh, right. and, and it's not something you can go to the mall and purchase, which makes it really difficult because it's still kind of like a theory and process as it's evolving. And a lot of what happens in the beginning bits are really not fun. And so I think it's it's the character bit. Are are you the type of person that can really look at this stuff and can really uncover? Do you want to turn over the rocks? Do you want to go down this path, whether it's dark, light or colorful? And that's that's the question of of people that are wanting to go into can they can they handle it I love this conversation so I have a few things to add so one of the pieces is that this is not a linear process and I'll explain it a bit more but another piece is that it's not just one thing happens and you wake up one day and you're like whoa I made it. I'm here. This is awesome. It's it's not like that. <laughs> it's a process and the process is just as valuable as the end point. And with awakening, there's not an end point. It's all a process. And there are different it's there are different I guess like milestones or pieces that you get to where you go, "Oh my gosh, this is where I was trying to get to." And you know it because you experience it and you feel it. And so when we were having this discussion about the question you asked, I thought about the journey that I've been on. So when I was a child, I was very aware and I did not think that I would live here for very long. I thought that I would die at a young age Um, and dynamics changed that in particular, my wife, Teresa, who asked that I stay. Um, and so as a young child, I would go off into the woods and I would meditate by myself because I, I knew I had a particular purpose and with my family. And I was like, that's, that's fine. I'm okay with being here for that. I, I agreed to that. I'm okay. And then when that path of mine, that purpose of mine ended, I became very lost because I thought this isn't, this this isn't supposed to be, I'm not supposed to still be here and live this life. And I had a normal job and it it just didn't feel right. And then I got into this murky place of losing myself and losing grips and, and touch with my soul. And I knew it. I knew I had. 
And then I met my wife. And it all started unfolding, this other purpose, this other um, piece of why I'm here. And so that's what I mean when it's not linear. And it's not you hit one piece and you're there and it's amazing. And the rest of life is just going to be beautiful and sunshine and roses and I mean, unicorns. <laughs> unicorns. Um, it's a process. It's all a process. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. Welcome to Hashtag Moms Got This. Get your mom life fix four days a week. I'm Michelle Park. And I'm Stacey Eagle. Together, we chatted up with a new boss mom each week about her journey and why she's got this. Make sure to subscribe and show us some love on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever the best podcasts are found. And remember, Mom's Got This. You mentioned that you didn't want to be here, and the rates of suicide are climbing. What are your perspectives on why and what people can do about it? I'm also very curious on Terry's perspective, because you can see past lives and how maybe the, the unconscious thought processes behind it but why why is that happening right now i would say you know i've worked with several um mothers that have lost their children through suicide and the fear of the unknown can cause someone to want to go and seek what that fear is i feel that some of the suicides are because of, uh, you know, people are not fitting in right now or feel like there's no place or purpose or a loss of hope. We've had a lot of complications with this culture right now that we're in and the American family that we're in. And the sad part is, is that the division has just gotten so big and it's not political. It's vibrational. It's energetic. Um, there's people that want to work towards having more love and more unity. And there's people that just are too fearful to even go into that category. They don't know where to go. There's a lot of hopelessness. Um, there's a lot of people that feel like, what is out there for me beyond this? Aren't we supposed to be united? This is a culture that is supposed to support me through many, many decades. And these young kids are getting a bit disillusioned. Um, they don't really have the mature elements within them to see that we're just in a very complex area right now. If we all came together and understood that more and we weren't fighting, there was not, none of this going on, that we would be able to really come into a better state of connection, that this is just a temporary thing that's happening. So I feel it's our responsibility, you know, with media to start, you know, put some positive energy into the fact that we can all get through this together. And I remember when my mom was little, she was raised in London, and they were raised with the air raid shelters in the backyard. And she would tell a story about when the bombs were falling and getting closer, that her parents would say, sing louder than the kids next door. 
and that humor and that laughter encouraged them. They didn't know if they were going to be buried alive by the next bomb in their air raid shelters. But at the same time, they were willing to stay together and to laugh and to look at the positive side. So I feel that right now we really need to get into more dialogue and more conscious effort of how to build community around these kids um, with the you know, the heroin problems right now and all sorts of things. I channel for a lot of people with their loved ones that have crossed over. And these kids are also looking to say, you know, I I made a choice. I made a decision and here I am. But I was fearful. Mm -hmm. So they actually went into what they considered to be embracing fear. Um, So I just hope and wish that our culture would get a better grip of what it means to be responsible right now at this time and to unify and come together for the kids. I think also it's exerting our our will. So we do have a choice and the the drives that we have with life and death can be powerful ones. I think yesterday we were having Terry, well we were all having this conversation about joy and sorrow and they can both be consuming like there there's sorrow and you can be in sorrow and you can be in joy but I think there's balance in both and being able to see a a different side or that different perspective can really help to determine what your will is or where you're going to take your will. I am sitting here trying to figure out how to answer this. I have a lot of respect for what you have both said. I'm going to give a rather complex answer that um, it's just going to be a complex answer. So I could say on one end what um, the mental health field says, right? Um, And going into the place of sorrow and really needing help and needing someone to be there, um, particularly with children like you brought up, Terry, and adolescents um, really just needing attention. It's it's like a cry for help. Um, But that's not always the case. That's not always all that it's about. So someone who is in a path where they're experiencing that, suicide is a way out. It's in itself a coping mechanism. It gives the mind a way to say, well, if all else fails, this is my way out. And we can look at that on an earthly level and say, Well, because I lost my job and I lost my home or whatever it is, these factors, and I can't deal with it, so I'm I'm going to go. And we can look at it that way, and that does happen that way, sure, but it also happens in a bigger sense. So I do come from a line of thinking that I, I think that we all do, that there are people that know they're not supposed to be here and know that it's their time. Um, And I have to have respect for that. I know that there are certain, particularly professionals, who would not. 
I also know that there are people who understand that they are here to help our society um, and globally from a place where they can't have a physical body to do it. So I know there are people that are aware of that. So I think the concept of suicide, it depends how you look at it. And it depends on the awareness of the individual and the people around them that are trying to help. That makes me think of a lot of the the books I've read about health issues or um, trauma or challenges, and that it may be like from a soul level, it may be um, soul level lessons that the individual can learn by going through that process and also an opportunity for the people who are around them, whether it's their family, their community, or whoever else who hears about it, um, you know, on the media, like the general public, that there there can be a role that their soul has elected to play. And, and that some people are aware of that. And some people are not aware of it, but then they, you know, they realize it in some other fashion how how do you suggest we approach this then there's kind of on the one level the very like physical body level of going through these emotions or going through a health challenge and then the other side of of thinking well I'm I'm playing a role <laughs> it seems i don't know it's like it's a dichotomy of things that you have to handle in your mind if you're trying to grasp it I guess what what are your thoughts on that? I, I think, you know, with the fact that we have past lives also play into this. And I know for me, I had seen a suicide in a past life where I did. And for me, I have had depressive states and I have had thoughts of not wanting to be here through trauma. So I have um, my own beliefs in that. I do believe that I had to come to an understanding of where did, where did these feelings come from? Are they from here? Are they from a place that's deeper? And once I started to connect to the fact that it came from a deeper place with past lives, I started to understand it more. And I was able to move into the healing side and say, yes, I do have a choice. And I do feel with suicides, and I've worked with many spirits on the other side that are working things out still that we are, we are working things out from many dimensions. It's not just here. They still have things to work out there. You know, the spiritual world are still evolving too. So um, whether people choose to come back and repeat it, you know, obviously we repeat things that we don't fully get. We have a tendency to recreate. So I feel that with healing work, with energy work, sometimes helps to get into a stronger structure of the individual where some of these memories are stored in their body on a vibrational level. Um, and again, it's a choice and I want to respect that choice because I believe that we're constantly, we're going to be alive no matter what. We're just entering different dimensions. But I do know for the, the people that have 
lost a loved one, they still are mourning and grieving, and mm -hmm. they are still trying to make sense of it. So um, I don't know if I got off topic right now, but I want to say that I have worked with a lot of the energies from the other realm, and they're, they said that, you know, they're, they're okay. They're, they're learning. I know the angelic realm kick in a lot as counselors and healers. So a lot of those that have crossed into the other side, they have a whole team of support. Um, and they they learn off of them, and they are very empathetic, and they help. So they do help evolve them. And I think that's what a lot of people need to know is that they are still getting the help that they need. If it's not here, it's on the other side. I want to switch gears a little bit and ask something that's been on my mind and um, it kind of relates, I mean, all of these issues that we're talking about are so complex. They're just related to every possible field that we can think of. Um, this one has to do with our, our environment, our food supply. I feel like there's this whole, on the one hand, um, I'd say it's getting harder and harder to know what to eat nowadays <laughs> in terms of what's healthy for us or good for our body or not good for our body. And um, as a, a new mom, also just the list of baby products I read about that have all sorts of, you know, chemicals, toxins, plastics, all of these things, it becomes Sometimes I'm on Amazon and I am paralyzed to know what to buy because I just <laughs> simply have no clue and don't want to be in a situation where I buy a toy and it like who knows if I cause some additional problems, you know, health concerns because of all of these different chemicals. But at the same time, I also believe in mind over matter and how if we approach everything with fear, then we're just going to perpetuate it. And so I am still at a point of trying to figure out, and I think a lot of other people may or may not be trying to find that balance, that middle ground, but what would you, what would you recommend to live in a world where there can be so many things that can harm us at the same time as kind of creating health in ourselves and what we consume and engage with. I really love how complex your questions are. <laughs> okay, so like everyone's looking at me because I am the food they person. <laughs> so I, I have been like, this is one of my things that I just look up all the time and read as much as I can about it. So it is really difficult in today's day and age to eat food that's actually healthy. When you walk into a grocery store, the vast majority of what's in there is processed or it's been um, grown with who knows how many toxic chemicals. And they say things that have harder shelves like a cantaloupe or an avocado that it's, that it's still okay because it didn't get in it because they just sprayed it on it. That doesn't make any logical sense. It goes through the stem, and it, which feeds the food, and the stem comes from the ground where the chemicals were sprayed on so that then feeds the food the chemicals. So, um, And not only that, but you look at our history of farming in this country and what we've done, and the majority of our foods are way more water-based now than they are nutrient-based. So I mean, the issue goes on and on and on, right? Um, 
one thing that drastically helped for me was to start eliminating and to think of health and diet and nutrition in a completely different way than I would say the general public does. So eating uh, fresh fruits and vegetables and not eating boxed, canned, frozen goods. Um, for me personally, I prefer to stay away from meat products. I don't, I don't want to eat an animal, but that's my preference. Um, and going with fruits and vegetables, so like literally fruit, just fresh fruits and vegetables, which if people think about their diets and what they go and buy at the grocery store, that's actually for a lot of people, not what they eat. Right. And that's food. That's what food is. Food naturally is fruits and vegetables. It's not stuff that came in a box. Um, so the difficulty is also where you get those from. Right. So which ones have more toxins than others? Which ones are going to give you more nutritive value than others? And um, what I found just for myself is that foods that are labeled organic tend to be better. Not always, but tend to be um, food that come from farms that take care of their farms is better. Um, a lot of foods from other countries tends to be better. Um, there's a way to vibrationally connect to the foods so that you can tell, which has been a, a great help developing that skill. So um, some people, I would imagine, can do it by just looking at it, but I have to touch the food. So um, touching the food, if if you practice it, it's actually not that hard. So it has to do with energy and, and connection to the energy grid. So if you touch a food, one that you know is really not good for you, and you touch a food that you know is good for you, you can start picking up on the vibrational quality and you'll feel it like a vibration. And the foods that have more nutritive value hold a higher vibration, which means it's going to feed your body more. Um, I agree with you with mind over matter. I also know that clogging our bodies like we tend to do with crackers and bread and pizza and all these things that are just readily available and look so good because our advertising is phenomenal because we focus more on that in this country than our own well-being. Um, eating all of those things clogs us, not just our bodies. It's not just a, a weight thing and a calorie thing. It's not that. It clogs our system. We have less access to our souls. We have less control over our minds. We know it affects mental health. We know it affects depression and anxiety and stress levels. We know that. And what we're often told is to eat things instead that are still just as bad. So we're perpetuating our own problem. And it is a big problem. It is a big problem. So the piece of advice that helped us was cutting everything out and going down to the basics and eating fru fruit and vegetables that we knew came from safe places and then moving up from there. So we had a, a like a month of detox with that for our bodies and then moved up. And if we try to eat something and we got sick, we would stop. Um, for me in particular, like I can't eat gluten anymore. I don't have a celiac disease, but I can't eat it. It makes me sick. I would imagine it makes a lot of people sick. Mm. Same with dairy, same with animal products. For me, rice, Teresa's Peruvian. 
she gets to eat rice all she wants. It's like a Peruvian thing. <laughs> Anyways, I went on a, like, a long soapbox. I'm soap sure box. you get to eat rice, too. <laughs> yeah. But also, um, it, it clogs our, our spiritual channels as well. And, and that's, that's a key point for us because that's what we're working with. And so um, in order to be clear... We can't eat the donuts. <laughs> she says that because she loves donuts, just so everyone knows. <laughs> the food's still good. It still tastes good. Like, Especially I love pizza, but I don't need little it. little shop in Westport. Anyways, we can't eat the donuts <laughs> because we need to be clear. And in order to be clear, we have to feed our bodies things that will nourish it. So why... Why is that? I'm I'm of the camp that I can eat my ice cream and my pizza and my burgers and still be spiritually clear. But at the same time, I don't know. Maybe maybe I could be clearer. Mm-hmm. So what's what's the I'm curious what the angelic realm has to say about <laughs> this. It's it's amazing and I'll I'll give you some insight into my life. I you know, I was a vegetarian for about eight years, and I really took a hold of that, really. I took that responsibility right to the core. But obviously there were some things that were still depleted at that particular time. You know, educationally, I didn't have all the tools either. I just knew I would be eating beans forever and maybe tofu. But there was a whole bunch of other things I needed to consider. You know, when a woman menstruates, she needs a lot more iron. You know, I didn't, I think that if we were in school, we were taught these things, we might be able to come out of life a little bit more. You know, what is our bodies? Where are our organs? What are the responses of, say, the pancreas? And that's one area I struggled with um, recently is I came into the diabetes section of, um, with my blood work and through eliminating certain things. I'm from British nature. I love sweets and chocolate and ice cream and all the things that I really, you know, I was kind of raised with tea in a bottle with sugar. Um, It's, you know, I had to retrain myself. And part of it I started to do and um, Anna started making these really amazing illogical um, smoothies or things that (laughs) I didn't even know what the taste was. They were so foreign. But I went and I went to the doctor and now I'm way back. I'm not even hardly Mm pre-diabetic. So the reversal of things, even it took, you know, what, six weeks, eight weeks, you know, to know that food is medicine. Um, Food has a structure to it that we're meant to be supported by it. It's we, we cohabitate with it. It's part of our reality. It's part of why it's put here. So it has a purpose. So I'm starting to respect food again. Um, do I still want to have chocolate and ice cream? Yeah. And um, every so often, or a good margarita, you know, that's one of, I had to, you know, I couldn't drink margaritas anymore, but I can have other things and they can start to feel that vibrational match. Mm -hmm. And I can tell if I eat something that's really not great that, you know, maybe a high salt content or, uh, you know, something that has, I can tell that I'm not quite spiritually connected. But I feel that the angelic realm, we're at that point right now, we have to nourish people for hundreds of years. We don't have time to keep dumping all these toxins onto the soil. This is, this is a new thing that has happened over past hundred year, hundreds of years. So we don't know how far in advance this is 
going to take us into disease, you know, using so many chemicals and um, alternative ways of crossbreeding or, you know, the GMOs, everything that's gone into our foods. We really don't have a really, we don't have a base camp to see how this is going to affect us down the long, long run. So over the past hundred years, we've really taken an alternative route into health. Um, and we're sacrificing some of the aspects of cleaner living, which our grandmothers knew how to do, or even our mothers. And we're starting to become so fast oriented that, you know, if they could develop a pill that has everything nutritionally, it's organically coated and it's gluten free. I'd rather take that than have to go shopping and create a meal because it's, you know, you can, you can get into the point where you just stand there and look at it and go, wow. That's really intimidating. We're supposed to be friends with it, right? So I feel that that I'm learning right now. So there's never a dull moment with Anna um, <laughs> teaching me how, how this all works out. So I would say she's a quite a great nutritional coach as well as a <laughs> inspiration. And those smoothies, I'll never forget. <laughs> all the detox things that she had me on with my liver and everything else. And I was like... This can't be good. And then I thought, well, I have to just suck up and deal. I created this. Now I have to uncreate it. So it was quite an ordeal, but it, it, it really turned out to be a really positive thing. Mm. Now I feel like I need to try out these smoothies. <laughs> Next time, you'll, you'll bring one into the studio. She gave you a bottle of black seed oil. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's not bad. That I, I think that actually tastes good. <laughs> These two ladies do not, but I actually think it tastes good. Celery water. Oh, Celery water. Anything green. I, do, I will say my diet is mostly fresh things now that I look at it. Grew, growing up with in a Chinese family, everything is vegetables, mm -hmm. rice, very... I mean, we didn't have ice cream. It was only very recent. Mm -hmm. I think maybe because of the pregnancy suddenly opened up all of these other things <laughs> when before i never had ice cream now it's like oh it's just the go-to coming up a rapid fire set of questions anything goes and anything's possible right after this are you interested in getting your own intuitive reading are you wondering how you can align more with your purpose? I offer introductory sessions to my Discover Your Purpose readings and coaching. As part of the All Possibilities community, you get 10% off the intro session. You get a one-on-one -on -one phone call with me where I'll do an assessment of your life and give you an intuitive reading on the highest guidance for you at this time. You'll get actionable steps that you can get started on to create the life you want. Just use All Possibilities 2018 as the promo code. That's All Possibilities 2018. Visit beingmypurpose.com for more information on my services. Since we have a clairvoyant in the room. Let's talk about the future and take that as you will. What would you like to share with us that you find it important to let us all know? 
I would say that the future is closer than we think because we walk into tomorrow before we know it. So having said that, we have a lot of power of choice right now that's going on um, in our todays. We have a choice with what we want our future to be. There's definitely that. Um, going on the same kind of curve that we've been going on uh, of not really caring about the planet or not really seeing what's happening and, and, and building more conscious effort um, to come into a communicative sort of community, it really, we're really on a place right now. It's detrimental over the next four years to making those choices to bring in a different series of events. So right now, we really need to know that we are an initiative. We are awakening for a reason. The reason why is not for our own personal gain and for our own personal pleasure. It's to survive through humanity. I had a woman come to me, and she was in her early 30s, and she was from the city, and she came up to Connecticut to see me. And she's working in a place where she's trying to, you know, bring up consciousness of perhaps a nuclear war coming in. And I said, you know, those things have always been real. They've been around New York City for as long as I've known it. But at the same time, we are irritating a lot of people in the world that have a lot of nuclear arms. What would we do if there was a nuclear war? What would we do? I was here during the blackout in New York City and I realized at that point that a lot of people dumped out of the buildings and they were just looking at their cell phones. There were so many people, I, I couldn't even imagine a mass crisis like 9-11 coming in again. So a lot of where I'm going is preventative measures. How do we step on prevention at this point through the next four years? We really need to do that tightly and closely. And I'm someone who has predicted world events. Um, they're not comfortable to see, they're not comfortable to experience, and they're not comfortable to come in and clean up after. I came in back into New York City after 9-11 when I was held off at work for a while, um, knowing that this was going to happen. So I was giving away national security secrets for um, a in Connecticut in groups way ahead of that coming in. You to knew 9-11 yes. was going to happen. Yes. So in, you know, for my readings, I was felt like I had a responsibility to warn people um, from what I understood to be the government uh, saying is that I was giving away national security secrets and I needed to step away from that. Um, and I also needed to work with them and them alone during that time. Which I did. And I felt at that time that I was doing a responsibility to this country. But I also felt that we weren't communicating. All those agencies were not communicating at that time. This is why that came into effect. So what I'm thinking is now, at this point of humanity, going into another dipping point, we need to really form those responses that we're going to problem solve way ahead of something happening. Um, Take the recession, for instance. We're really on a false economy right now. Um, if you looked at, you know, anything that's kind of like looking at the activity of what's happening, we're going through a lot of ebbs and flows right now with the markets. My daughter came to me yesterday and she wanted to have a reading uh, with mom at coffee, which was quite 
our style sometimes is to have a reading. And I talked to her about the recession, a possibility of a recession. And she said, I'm looking at recession proofing my business right now. So my advice would be right now is everybody look at what you need. What is it you need and what do you need to do to say recession proof your house and your family? So we don't go into another 2008. What do you need to do to make your family aware that we are volatile, that we have a we have bombs and things that can come and just take us out? How do we how do we raise consciousness without scaring people? This is really hard. And how do we keep people in consciousness that we're not just keeping them numb and blissfully happy, that it's not just about being blissful, it's about being super aware and super responsible of what kind of world we want our kids to have. And what do we see the next 50 years evolving into? So I feel that at this point, our future is really in our hands. We have four years to really sort this out. I really feel very, very strongly about that, that four years we need to put a lot of initiatives on and have a lot of people come together. And that's why this whole awakening is taking place at this level of experience right now. Why four years? It seems, as you're describing it, that we're at a point <laughs> yeah. of of maybe a crossroads or maybe we're already past that. I mean, we're at the point of no return. I don't know. But yeah. what yeah. does that timeline look like? It's funny. I see timelines and I can see um, images and imprints. Um, before 9-11, I ha we had a market um, position. Um, with an arbitrage company, my ex-husband and I in, in um, Bermuda. So I read 2001 from that point of putting a market position on it, that there was going to be a time that oil, we were in oil. And, um, you know, I said to the courts at that time, right before it came in, watch out, you know, this is the time my ex-husband might get a lot of money. He lives in England. Maybe we should go and pursue it because I read those markets. I kind of got tagged because of it, because not only was I putting that in, it was also me talking about it everywhere that um, put me into that place of, you know, what is she saying? What does she know? And maybe what is she trying to tell us? They really didn't know. I feel the four years is another one of the places that as an intuitive, as a visionary, and as someone who has a deep respect and love for humanity, that we just need to just bring our consciousness together because we have places that can cause, you know, chemical wars. Um, we have uh, concerns over um, not getting along with the world. Um, there's a lot of different things that we really need to consider that, you know, we're, you know, to take the initiative to get involved, to understand what kind of communities there are out there to help us become connected, that we do have a choice. We have decisions, write letters to your congressman write letters to your senators, sign those petitions. If you feel strongly about something, go and look at your resources. We are able to go Google just about anything. So question your reality. Yes, we want to live in our communities. We want to be safe, but open it up to the fact that, you know, when we have something like we don't have electricity for four days, we go in panic. Um, we have to know that we are, we can be subjected to anything at any time, no matter what it is. And with that comes responsibility to have your information right, 
but also to look at what is the Red Cross plan for a mass catastrophe. Look and see what their guidelines are, what you need in your house for that, um, whether it be a, you know a hurricane or whether it be anything else. And I'm not going to doom and disaster. I'm really trying to create a process that we are responsible for the choices that we make, especially now. And with the anxiety on the planet, there's a reason why all that anxiety is there from an intuitive level. I see it there because we're getting warned to center. We need to come to a direct center. And yes, the market is out there to have a blissful, beautiful, spiritual life. Yes, we want that. We want that fully. We deserve that. We are people that deserve to be in the Garden of Eden. We are, this is our garden. Um, this is our responsibility, but we also have to know what we're handing over to our kids and their kids at this time. It's really interesting because I had a, several years ago, I had a series of dreams that were, I typically don't have, or at least I think I don't have prophetic dreams mm -hmm. that um, that I take seriously, but it was a year of flood dreams mm -hmm. and to the point where when I would do readings for myself and I was still new at, you know, channeling at this time. And so I was, you know, kind of taking the information I received with a grain of salt, but I did receive information about some major event happening and I didn't know what to do because I, at that point in time, I didn't have a community of people. I didn't know what I could um, create or take responsibility for other than myself and my family. And so I, I, like, <laughs> I don't know if like prepper mode would be the right term, but I wanted to make sure I had the batteries. I had the flashlight, the mm -hmm. hand crank radio and all of these things in my house and my parents as well. And then, sure enough, Hurricane Sandy or Superstorm Sandy came through, and I had I really had no inkling. Um, I mean, one of the dreams I still remember was I was working in Lower Manhattan at the time, and I remember in the dream I stepped out of my office, and uh, just like a mass of people were just running down the streets, mm -hmm. and mud and water was coming out of the subway. Wow! Like the the stairs leading down to the subway it was just like flowing out and I was just like whoa and I in my dream I ran to the side of the building to let the water go past me and then that was the end of the dream and so it was just like a series of those things mm -hmm. and I didn't take it seriously until Sandy happened and my parents lost power and they were panicked and they said you know Julie if it weren't for that radio you gave us we would yeah. have no clue what to do because no one is in that mode of making sure that we have things, making sure we're prepared. Mm -hmm. Even though we don't want to be prepared for something, it's just a responsibility, as you say. So um, I guess in terms of questions, you know, one is how do we know if our dreams are actually, or if our intuitive hits are saying something? And how... The second part of the question is how you mentioned taking responsibility and awakening 
maybe more on a collective level to take those steps? How can we do that? I have some pieces with this one. So um, to the first part of your question, whatever you have been able to do once as far as prophetic dreams, if you pursue it, you can develop it to where you can understand it and when it is valid and when it's not. And then Terry taught me the value of percentages where you get to a point where you can understand about 90% certain this is true because you feel it and you've worked with it enough in your own world to understand how to use that as a skill. Um, that comes from your own soul. So if you've done it once, the skill set's in there. You can develop it or you can choose not to. Totally up to you. Nothing wrong with either way. Um, the collective piece, as far as what I see for future, is that we are trying to come together in a collective way in a very spiritual, collective way. So individuals having or going through a process of awakening um, and getting to different levels or stages and not saying one's better than the other, but there are different pieces to it, or even individuals who, have, who were born with that, who were already awake when they came. Um, all of us are trying to find each other and things like this podcast are now here, and it's an opportunity and it's a voice to help people find each other because we have to start collecting. We have to start helping to build and to make this world into what it can become. To add to that, <clears throat> I think we were talking earlier about how um, there's no time and part of the reason why we're in this collaboration is to not spend five, ten years in therapy, to not have the person um, kind of muddle through their own stuff for a really long time until we get to the point where individually, if we were working individually, where we would get to the point where there's a breakthrough or a resolution or processing. Uh, we're working together to make that process a lot faster and um, a lot smoother, a lot um, immediate, where um, we're setting the stage up for, for the person to look at what's happening. And we are providing the integration of the information that they're needing to move forward. And I think this goes into Terry's timeline for, um, and what she sees as time shifting and more people are becoming aware. Um, we're providing the service so that they can have that and move forward and not be um, tied to us. The, people can see us one time and have all the information they need and move on. And that's okay. And we need those people to move on, which is why we're providing the service to begin with. Um, it's a time issue. Yes. We don't have time for five or ten years of kind of 
going along and trying to figure it out. It's creating sparks and ripples and, you know, consciousness is catchy. And sometimes when people are having dreams and they're having those intuitive dreams, a lot of other people are having them too. Um, we have our survival. That's what is it, our primitive brain? I mean, we are coded to survive. So whether it's through going back to our simplistic nature, which somehow we consider to be complex, we are still getting that information and accessing how to survive. And we have to listen to that. And that's why this awakening is going up and going on. But it's also to bring up the love and the, and the love to complete um, our, our generations to come. We need to hold them. We need to understand what it is that we're doing a lot more right now than any other time in history. And what is the future that we're aiming towards? Like, I understand implicitly raising consciousness will maybe help us care for each other, our planet more. But what what is the vision for what that looks like, if you have one? So I know this, that I hear frequently, I... This is what I hear. I hear that the rise has to be greater than the fall. That's what I know. And that's what we help with. I don't know what that looks like, though. What does that mean? The rise greater than the fall. We have built structures um, like food industry and things that are have been impacted over time that are leading to things. There are ripples that have started a long time ago for things that are happening now. Um, with the toxins in the food, there's more disease and all these things are interconnected. Um, and these structures that we have established as human beings um, are being questioned now through these younger generations. So what are we eating? Um, why do we have to take a taxi? I could just hire an Uber. Um, all of the structures that were once not questioned and um, are now being questioned. And, and with the questioning... Um, comes disharmony because we're no longer just going about and doing the things that everyone else is doing or everyone else is feeding because the, now the trend is to question those things. And so the structures in society uh, may not maintain or keep working based on those questionings and based on the increased consciousness. And that would create a fall. Right. With, um, with all kinds of things, right? And, and people have uh, questioned doing things like, do I shop at Walmart? Do I buy Nike? Um, things that knowledge gives you. 
like Terry said about Googling. Um, you can have access to information about how companies are run now. Um, and do you want to be a part of um, something that contributes to something like child labor or um, mistreatment of human beings? And this is what information gives us. If you can share an image, I love images, I love metaphors. If you can share an image that maybe it pops into your mind intuitively of the future that you want to create as imagined as if you are already there. Can you just share that image with us? I would say the French kind of have some pieces already. Um, what was fascinating about the French culture is that it's, you can only either have something like solar panels on the rooftops or a garden, a self-sustaining garden. So um, to be more aware of our industries of um, energy and also our agriculture industries, I would say that for me it would be the plentiful life that we abundantly have a right to live, but with also a purpose and also knowing that we are to do it with great responsibility. So I would say a deeper collaboration with each other as community initiatives take place and understand that part of the rise is us coming together and saying, this no longer looks good. And I remember being in the futures industry with my ex-husband in the business and knowing that sometimes there's barges of wheat and barley that are dumped in the ocean to create a shortage on the markets or a push or a stress on the farmers. And they never reach third world countries. And I remember speaking to a lobbyist about this and she said, you'd have inside information if you told people about this. But no, a lot of people know about it. You can Google just about anything and find out everything that I am talking about. It exists. We coexist with an economy that's structured on loss. If we start looking on an economy that is structured in providing balance, we will have enough to go around. It's the people that are making money off of loss, which we really need to understand that we have a responsibility to make profit off of gain. Looking at WeWorks in the city right now, we're in a WeWorks building in lower Manhattan. That's an initiative that's on to create a logical way to build communities that can thrive in an industry. These are the types of initiatives that are beautiful to see. And this is the type of world I want to live in. And this is the kind of world I envision. Okay, so I also love imagery. That was like the most beautiful thing, by the way, Terry, all of what you just said. When you asked that question. The imagery part. Green gardens and solar panels like the French. Really? Oh, like it's I just, saw the whole cares. thing when you described <laughs> it. So I just like okay. assumed you okay. said. That's so funny. I had this whole imagery of it. it was okay, like, I didn't beautiful. lose track there. Okay. <laughs> really, we should abandon everything and move to France. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa loves Paris. Okay. <laughs> Um, the imagery that's 
more symbolic, I suppose, that I saw directly when you asked that question. I saw this really cool looking white and pink dragon, but not like a vicious guy, you know, like obviously like white and pink. So, (laughs) but it was, it was like, it was light. Like it just looked like light and it was coming up out of the earth and it was just a natural part of what was here. So I saw that as my imagery, the other piece. So I saw this, I don't know, like a month ago where it would be possible to live in a world where you go and get a coffee somewhere and you can tell that the person in front of you has a back injury or whatever it may be. And you say, oh, my gosh, hey, let me just help with that for a second. It'll feel better for the rest of the day. You know, and and people provide that to each other because it's what we do as people because we care about each other, not from a place of, oh, my gosh, maybe you're going to hurt me. It's not a fear-based place. Mm. It's a love-based place. Beautiful. Trust. Mm. And they lived happily ever after. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And unicorns. (laughs) And last one, Teresa, what's your image? Um, I don't know if I actually have an image. I feel like it's more of a sensation of Mm -hmm. um, togetherness where... um, we are living in a place where we understand that everyone has their own struggle, but we are in it together. And uh, it doesn't have to be sorrowful and it doesn't always have to be joyful, but the, there's balance and a place where we can interact uh, without a fear-based response and trusting that that we can all be human and have this experience together. Mm. Beautiful. The, I'll share my image, yeah. which I had forgotten about <laughs> until it popped back into my mind as I was asking the question. And in the middle of a meditation um, several years ago that led me to leave my career in economic development and start my own company doing intuitive channelings, the image I saw was this the earth as seen from outer space, just beautiful in its green, brown, blue. It was just sparkling. And all of us were little lights, like little angels all wrapped around the earth holding hands. And... I remember as I watched this image, I just I was just filled with emotion and thinking nothing else matters, that this is what I'm trying to create and playing whatever small role, but that everyone else is playing their role in whatever way that is, and that that relates to their purpose or calling, whatever it is that they have to share in this world. And yeah, that's thank you for this conversation because it reminded me (laughs) out of everything that's been going on in my life and everything else that that's why this matters. That's why the podcast was created. That's why I do the work that I do. And yeah, let's, let's get to it. (laughs) Yeah. And, and we realize right now that we are all sitting around in a circle in 
our chairs in this podcasting studio as, you know, as lights, as light workers and connected, holding hands with each and every one of you and each and every one of our listeners. And that's really profound. We're kind of in this moment now already. There is no future. It's now. I just had a moment of, oh, we did talk about time. Time collapsed. <laughs> time collapsed into yes. now. Into That's now. The point. <laughs> yes. It's beautiful. Oh, nice. Wow. Well, I'd love to have an opportunity for you to share how people can get in touch with you and how they can learn more about your work. Well, we're all in New York. So we have our office down in one of the buildings next to the Trinity Center. So it's one that they own. It's beautiful in there. But we're in a space called Wellness Works, um, and it's in the financial district in Manhattan. Um, Teresa and I are just working in Manhattan, but we also do services online. We see people through video, which is the way things are going now. Mm -hmm. And then I'll let you take for website. Oh, website. So the the website is being-centered.com. So B-E-I-N-G-centered.com. Okay. And this is Teresa Galeska. And I want to say thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be here. And you can reach me at www.t-h-e-r-e-s-a G-A-L-U-S-Z-K-A dot com or center number four conscious living dot com. That's where we have our collaboration going on with all of us here today. Thank you. We're also all available remotely. All available remotely and on the phone. Beautiful. Well, thank you all for this incredible conversation. I knew it was going to be awesome, but this is just on another level. So thank you for all the work that you're doing and for what you're pioneering. Thank Thank you for having us here. This was was awesome. awesome. Thank you for your beautiful light that you're (laughs) spreading so vastly. Oh, seriously. You're making connections Mm. possible. It's beautiful. Yeah. And for you... Think about for this week what you can do to connect with your community and to create this future that you want. I'm Julie Chan, and until next time, be on the lookout for all possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.